Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with astrologer Rick Levine, and we're going to do a deep dive into the meaning of the zodiac sign Aries and talk about its different qualities and characteristics and significations uh, in a really full two-hour episode, just looking at the significations of that sign. So, hey, Rick, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Chris. I'm happy to be here with you again. Although I question the idea of doing a deep dive on Aries. Is there such a thing? <laughs> yeah, I think your your alternative title was a, a fast dive into Aries, which was probably more fitting and appropriate. But between your Aries and your Mars placements and my heavy Saturn placements, hopefully we'll find a, a nice middle ground in between. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the illusions about, I would say, both Aries and Gemini is that they are shallow or that they're all up front and they are, but there is there is depth in both of them in their own ways. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to doing this deeper dive. And, and for, for sure. the record, I should mention that not only do I have, and we'll probably get here because I know you're very thorough with this stuff, not only do I have um, Sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars in a close conjunction in Aries, but they are trine Pluto. So deep doesn't scare me. Okay. Yes. You, so that, those are your bona fides for this episode is your Aries stellium. So I'm going to, this is part of a new series. So I just finished a series last year where I went through each of the planets one by one and did an entire episode with a deep, deep dive into the significations of each of the planets. And that went so well that I wanted to start a new series this year where I do the same thing with each of the 12 signs of the Zodiac. So we're going to start this episode. This is going to be our first one looking at the sign of Aries and in order to do that, I wanted to. I was trying to think like who is the best astrologer that has the most Aries placements, and you just kept coming to mind as like the top person on my list. Um, what planets do you have in there, that again? And can I share your chart? You absolutely may. Um, I have Eris in Aries, <laughs> like everyone else who's alive, right? Um, but I have the the Sun in mid Aries, the Sun at sixteen and change. And I have Mercury, Venus, and Mars, um, all lower degrees, but but w all within a six degrees or so of the sun. Um, so Mercury at nine, Mars at 12, Venus at 13, and the sun at 16. But I also have the North Node there too, and they're all in the 11th house. When people, uninitiated people, ask me my sign astrologically, I sometimes tell them I'm an Aquarian. Because even though I have no planets in Aquarius, Uranus is my first planet over the ascendant. I have an Aquarius midheaven, and I have four planets in the North Node in the 11th house. So I have that uh, Aquarian-flavored or airy-flavored uh, Aries energy. Right. And that's really one of the complicated things once people get behind beyond you know, the initial phase of sun sign astrology, and everybody knows their sun sign, and everyone has this perception that you're just one zodiac sign, but then you learn that there's other planets in different signs of the zodiac and in different houses and that have different aspects once you start learning more advanced forms of astrology and realize that everybody's a combination of a bunch of different signs and placements and planets that creates a more complex picture. But um, nonetheless, sometimes there can be more dominant themes in a person's life or in a person's chart, and sometimes that can help provide like insight into the underlying meaning of the sign. So that's one of the reasons I want to do this series with astrologers that have some of those placements strong in their chart, because then I think that that gives people, everyone has the greatest insight into their own sign or into the signs that are the most prominent in their chart. 
And so I thought you could help me sort of walk through and get a deeper understanding of, you know, some of the positive and some of the challenging and and everywhere in between sort of characteristics of of Aries. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. I'm happy to be your uh, first case. Of course, as an Aries, I'm happy to be first at almost anything. Often there's a price that an Aries will pay for being first. Uh, you know, there's a phrase in in the computer world. Uh, people know what the leading edge is, but in the technology world, there's a phrase called the bleeding edge. <laughs> That's where Aries hang out because okay. first isn't always easy. Yeah, sometimes you've got to shed a little blood in order to 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 do that to to make headway and to be the first into the breach in some instances. Um, although I guess that's getting a little head. So let me set the stage by first just showing this um, Zodiac graphic from our Zodiac poster that Paula Bellomini and I put together a few years ago that just shows the 12 signs of the Zodiac and their basic characteristics or basic qualities in Western tropical astrology. And so the basic initial things that we need to know about Aries is that it's a um, masculine or diurnal sign uh, it, because it's an odd sign, it's it's the first, so it's number one, and therefore is an odd sign as opposed to an even sign. Uh, it's a cardinal sign, so um, out of the the different quadruplicities or modalities, cardinal, fixed, and mutable. It's a cardinal sign because Aries um, falls at the very beginning of the season. It falls just after the vernal e- equinox, so just at the beginning of the spring season. It's a fiery or fire sign out of the four qualities of earth, air, fire, and water, the four traditional elements. And then finally, its planetary ruler is the planet Mars. So it's from these four primary qualities, I think, that we draw most of the major significations of Aries come from different combinations of those different qualities um, in astrology and then are interpreted symbolically. Let me show one more little image just to zoom in on that. And then finally, one other stats thing to show for Aries. This is the glyph for Aries um, or the symbol for Aries that's up at the top, and it's supposed to sort of depict a ram's head. It also shows kind of like a fountain. You know, when you look at things that are brand new, they germinate often in this kind of stem that bifurcates. Um, uh, and, and so in a way, if you think of a water spout coming up and then it separates things come into reality as unity, there's a singularity at the beginning, but then as it grows, it complexifies. If that's a real word, I think it probably is. And I think that aside from being the horns on a ram's head, and of course, Aries often lead by walking forward, by, 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 uh, leading with their head. Um, the fact of the matter is that that symbol also represents the the gushing forth of 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 id, as Freud would call it, the life force that comes out as singularity and then uh, and then becomes more complex. I like that. That makes sense. So yeah, you're right. It does look kind of like a sprout, also like a sprout that's just pushed through the ground initially, and it's just that first little initial inkling of like the full plant that's had to push through the the dirt and the soil in order to get out above into the air. So I have a friend who, or a friend, someone I know um, who is a beekeeper and this, and trust me, this is like a total astrological little di- digression here. Um, and, and he has told me that when dandelions appear, 
bees forget whatever else they were pollinating, that dandelions are so demanding or so they're, they're so present with pollen that, that they become like drunk on dandelions. And as you may know, dandelions are, I think, maybe the only plant that is a natural plant that can go from flat, just poking up above the ground, to full flower in one day. That's how fast they grow. And they're a first, you know, first of the spring plant. So dandelions are very much an Aries kind of a, um, of a plant, if you were going to give it a, you know, a planetary signature, if, if you will. I, I don't have it handy, but but I wish I did. Um, can post it a, a link in the comments um, um, when this is posted uh, later on. But I have photographs that I've taken with a macro lens of a um, of of Aries of Aries of dandelions, very 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 up close. And you know, all the inside of the dandelion before it goes to seed. They're all little stamens, and every stamen looks exactly like the Aries glyph. It's crazy. They all come up as one and then and then separate out. And when you look at that, it's like what what the heck? It's like just it, and dandelions are very Aryan. Mm, okay, brilliant. Uh, let's see. Going back, there's the glyph. Um, the name is Aries. Aries actually is Latin for ram. Like it means translating the Latin term. The Latin term was a translation of the Greek term and it means the ram. That is the animal sort of totem that was originally associated with this sign of the zodiac because each sign has a specific animal that's associated with it. And in terms of other stats with the ancient or so-called traditional essential dignities, um, Aries is said to be the domicile or the ruling sign of Mars. It's said to be the sun, the sign in which the sun is exalted, because um, Aries is the first month of spring in the northern hemisphere, and it's when the days start growing longer and the nights start growing shorter. Uh, Aries is said to be the fall or the sign of the depression of the planet Saturn, and it's said to be the sign of the detriment or the sign of adversity or exile of Venus, because it's opposite to one of Venus's ruling signs, which is Libra. I have three of four of those planets, by the way. I have Mars, the Sun, and Venus um, all nice. in mid, mid Aries. Right. So we can talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. We're going to try to hit the full gamut of just about everything. Um, the only other basic thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that in body parts, Aries is said to rule the head based on this system where you start from the top of the body and then assign the signs of the zodiac going in order from first to last. And since Aries is the first sign, um, it gets assigned to the first part of the body, which is the head. Mm-hmm. By, by the way, before we go on, I'd like to just come back to the word cardinal for a moment, mm-hmm. because Aries as the first of the cardinal signs, um, I think holds a special place. But most many people don't know, don't realize that the etymology of the word cardinal, it actually derives, and I'm not sure I really thoroughly understand how etymology traces, because it's not always this, the words that, that sound exactly similar, but it is, in fact, um, the etymological origins of the word Aries comes from, an, uh, I'm sorry, the etymological um, origin of the word cardinal comes from an old English word, henge, H-E-N-G-E, like in Stonehenge, 
which actually means hinge, and that um, and that a cardinal um, point is a hinge point. We often think of it, the cardinal points, as initiation. They're the beginning of the four seasons. They're the beginning, you know, of 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 each of the quarters. They're they're the points from which the other points on the compass arise. But w- what's intriguing is that if you go back, I don't know, four or five thousand years ago, and you lived next door to the equivalents of a Steve Jobs, rather than inventing the iPad, he might have invented the hinge. We don't think of that as a great technology, but the idea to have a wall that is stable, Saturn, if you will, and to be able to open that wall and go through it and then close it again and have that stable wall maintain its stability was a huge technological move forward. And that the the idea of um, of, of cardinal signs being hinge points are very interesting. And, and, and of course, just as a quick aside, the cardinals in the Catholic Church were meant to be hinges that actually interacted with the public. And it's from the red costume, uh, Aries red, we didn't make that association, but um, the red co- um, color of the cardinal's costumes actually is where the bird, the cardinal, got its name. So just a little fun diversion on that word cardinal, which really means a hinge, an opening to something new. Right. Yeah. And that was a really important word in um, ancient astrology because it also means, um, and the Greek word that it's connected to means pivot because it's the the turning point, the point in which something turns suddenly or is pivotal and so you have this notion, I mean, it's tied in astronomically directly to the notion that Aries and the other cardinal signs are the point in which the seasons turn and there's a turning or a change in the seasons, so that it switches from, in the case of Aries, um, from w- the winter season to the spring season in the Northern Hemisphere. And so there's a sudden, like a change or a pivot. A pivot. Win- and that's what a hinge does. A hinge pivots. But- in its pivot, the stability of the system is not lost. Mm, right. Yeah. So, so with that, that's a really good point, though, because so this is something that four of our signs of the zodiac will all share in common, which is the four cardinal signs, which are Aries, Cancer, uh, Libra, and Capricorn, is that they all uh, fall at the very beginning of their respective seasons when right. the sun makes a definitive change, and there's a definitive change in the amount of heat and light during that part of the season. So in the spring season, it's at the point where um, once the sun passes the vernal equinox, the days start getting longer than the nights. And that is the sort of pivot point or the changing point in terms of our environment and atmosphere and just what's happening astronomically in the sky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So so from that, we get a lot of, some many of the basic significations of Aries, which have to do with things um, being initiated and initiating change in, in some way, right? Yeah, I mean, and and the word head is such an interesting word. You know, when you go to the head of the class or the head of the line, that's first, and and so and 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 again, often you can spot the person with the strong Aries influence in their chart when they walk. They're like slightly hinged at the waist, and the head almost like. Almost like they have the horns on a ram. The head, they lead with their head. They walk with their head forward. Um, it's really interesting. Once you notice it, you can see it all over the place. Yes, yeah, so there's all sorts of really basic 
things that are just a basic um, astronomical property or a symbolic property, like being associated with the head or being associated with the beginning of the season. And then what we're going to do throughout this series is, is those basic properties then get interpreted symbolically and will show up in different ways in a person's life, both in their sometimes in their personality or their personal characteristics, sometimes in their actions or the way they act, or sometimes in the way that certain events manifest in a person's life. Like for example, they might happen more quickly or or suddenly to some extent in a cardinal sign compared to, let's say, a fixed sign, which happened to fall in the middle of the seasons where things develop more slowly and or more more slow to develop. Mm-hmm. You know that that is true, and, and and yet, just because it's a cardinal sign doesn't mean that it's specifically focused on the present moment, which is the uniqueness of Aries. Because Cancer, as a cardinal sign, always has an eye in the rearview mirror. It's always holding on to some emotion from the past, the childhood, whatever. You know, Libra is always balancing the inner with the outer rather than just the what's going on for me in the present moment. And the Capricorn is always calculating about how it's going to get to where it's going to. Whereas, we'll get to this later on, I assume, but Ram Das, who wrote the book Be Here Now, was an Aries, because Aries has to do with that fleeting moment that that is the um, what's the right word? It's the it's the mecca. It's the ideal point of Buddhism to be here now, to be in the present moment, which is uniquely never stable because it always immediately moves into the past. Mm. Right. So um, one of your primary slogans for Aries, what was that again? <laughs> Ready, fire, aim. <laughs> okay. I like that because it packs several things into the same metaphor. And, and one of them that we'll just keep coming back to regularly, and I think that one of the dominant ones is is Mars and Mars being the ru- the ruler of Aries. And it's not, at least traditionally, is not the only ruler of Aries. Um, Aries is ruled by Mars and the other Mars ruled sign is Scorpio. So I, I should have said to clarify, it's not the only sign that Mars rules, but here, here in Aries, we're going to see one side of Mars and one expression of Mars. And then at some point, once we get to Scorpio, we'll see some other sides of Mars. But there, while there's some overlap because they're both ruled by the same planet, there's also a lot of distinct tendencies as well. Yes, very much so. And the Mars in Aries is that sense of urgency of being in the present moment, where with Scorpio, there's always this sense of, where will this present moment lead? Where am I coming from? Where am I going to? Um, you know, I sometimes say that if an Aries, and I'm generalizing here, I'm talking pure Aries energy. If an Aries and a Scorpio have a fight or a debate, you know, in other words, there's some interaction of conflict between Aries and Scorpio, the Aries has to win on the first blow. Because if it doesn't, the Scorpio will always win because the Scorpio has the staying power that Aries doesn't. And yet Aries has that, that sense of, of intense, incredible power only in the present moment that Scorpio doesn't. Yeah, the, the staying power because it's a fixed sign of Scorpio versus uh, Aries being a cardinal sign and having this amazing initial push and burst of energy that can sort of bulldoze or plow through anything at the beginning. But sometimes 
doesn't always have the staying power or sometimes can get fatigued in the, in the long run. Mm-hmm. I, I have a friend who's a, a master chess player. And as a kid, I played a bunch of chess. I was never awesome, but I was pretty good. And this guy goaded me for years into sitting down and playing a game of chess with him. And finally, one evening I did and I beat him. And he was like, he, he, he was beside himself. He was freaked out. And he said, we're playing again right now. And I played him again, I would say about four or five times over the following months. And, I, and, and he beat me like in 15 moves every time because my, my airiness was so intense in the moment and so forward. And he didn't realize what my style would be because I was erratic. I was in the moment, um, but I could never get away with that again. That's a perfect example of, of, of Aries energy against other energies. It can be brilliant in the moment, but it's, it can be also be like a supernova. And I think that's one of the dilemmas of Aries energy is how do you sustain it? It's why Mars is one of the reasons why Mars is exalted in Capricorn, because, because Mars in Capricorn finishes the job it starts. Um, Mars in Aries or Aries in general would much rather start 10 jobs and let someone else finish them. That's so funny. Yeah, that's a really good example because I had a recent one of that where I, uh, a friend of mine who has uh, Aries placements uh, challenged me to play like Mario Kart. And I was like, yeah, I'll beat you in Mario Kart. I haven't played it in 20 years, but I'm sure I'm still really good at it. And they just decimated me uh, in the first few games. And that was the end of it. And I was I was humiliated. So I had to, but then over the next few days was like a, <laughs> it was like a rocky training marathon with like Eye of the Tiger playing in the background. And I'm just like practicing Mario Kart for the next several days. And then we had a rematch and I had to, had to take them down um, in order to even, even things out as with all of my Scorpio placements. So mm. your analogy of chess is, is speaking to me on a very personal level right now as a Scorpio. Yeah. But, but I should add here, it's been said that tr- chess is the greatest waste of human intelligence outside of an advertising agency (laughs) okay yeah i mean uh, it's interesting you know games and that's actually uh one of our aries people i believe is gary kasparov um who has aries placements in the fifth house which is like the place of games and it's one of the things that's really interesting about the fifth house is that sometimes when those placements when you know, heavy placements in a person's chart do get channeled into the fifth house. They get channeled into things that otherwise other people might think of as just like a hobby or or something like that that's not important in this instance, like chess. But for him, he became um, Gary Kasparov with Sagittarius rising and Jupiter in Aries with the sun also in Aries in the fifth whole sign house. He became the world champion at chess at this game for, and, and that became one of his primary things in life. Yeah. And as an Aries, we look at his Mars in Leo kind of reflective back at the fifth house. We normally think of gaming or competition like that. We normally, I mean, Aries can be competitive, but the fifth house and or Leo is often more associated with the play, with the play of the sport, if you will. And Gary Kasparov had certainly that in in spades, although it might be uh, wide to con- well, no, the, I was going to say it might be wide to consider this a grand fire trine. The fact that the you know Mars in Leo, the Sagittarius rising and Moon, and that cluster of of planets, well, the Sun and Jupiter in particular, 
um, in in Aries really make this person someone who in the moment can be terrible. And I mean terrible in the sense of like, you know, a terrible infant, you know, a someone who has the, the force and the power. Mm. Yeah, so that's a really good point. So you're focusing also on the fiery. So he has a huge dominance of fire placements in his chart. And th that brings up one thing was just of uh, us needing to focus on and unpack um, Aries as a fire sign and what it means to be fiery, since fiery is actually one of my major keywords for Aries. Or sometimes like if a person is like a real fireball as an expression, it can be like an Aries thing. But you're also bringing up another important thing we have to get into, which is that um, for everybody that has placements in Aries, it's going to be modified to some extent based on where Mars then is placed in the chart because Mars is the ruler of Aries. And if, for example, in Gary Kasparov's chart, Jupiter and the Sun are in Aries, that means they're partially depending on the ruler of that sign, Mars, for part of their expression. And exactly. Since, Mar since Mars is placed in Leo, part of the expression of those placements is through the placement of Mars and Leo so that you get a blend of Aries and Leo in this chart rather than something that's just like purely Aries placements. You know, one of the words that comes um, to my mind because I've trained it to that most people don't think of um, is something that I got directly from Carl Jung. Carl, Carl and I were hanging out one day and he said, Rick, no, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> but, I, but I got directly from his writing. And that is that that in Jung's framework, um, fire is the sign of intuition. Now, most astrologers think of, oh, intuition, that's Pisces, you know, that's, but, but the thing about intuition is that fire, intuition doesn't have a process of, of, of perception, sensation, logic, make a plan, and then do it. Um, intuition basically is a fully formed idea that is immediately turned into action, that a fire burns intuitively, meaning it doesn't think, well, should I go this way or that way? Well, that log's drier, but this tree is bigger and I can't. It just does. And so the idea of fire as intuitive is really an interesting concept. And it takes someone like a Gary Kasparov, and we'll see this in other charts, where, where fire signs somehow, the way they can be in the moment without having a process is, is sometimes based upon this high level of intuition that is the, the, like a fire. They just know what they need to do to keep burning. Yeah, and I think I was thinking about this a lot. Um, and I think part of it is there's another word that's like that, but might be closer, which is instinctual that um, the Aries has an, an instinct and will go on instinct, but it's almost like an internal impulse of the instinct of knowing what to do versus, let's say, some water signs, which we might characterize as more intuitive or having um, emotional intuition or something like that. There's, there's something different about the instinctual uh, the instinct to do things or to instinct to act that Aries has that, that sometimes guides them. Yeah, that is that is true. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is that that is very true. Okay, so um, let's start getting into some keywords because I have a ton. One of the things that I did in thinking about this episode is I just put a call out on Twitter, um, and I'll maybe I'll put a link to this thread because I can't cite everybody that turned in 
um, significations, but I wrote some of them down and I was just like, what keywords do you associate with Aries? And a ton of different people responded, um, sending in all sorts of different significations um, that was really good and gave me a full range of different um, things to draw on uh, and different sides of things because different people have different takes on it. Some people are Aries themselves or have different Aries placements. Other people don't. And maybe some get along with that energy or others don't get along with it due to how their own chart is set up. So it's it's interesting seeing how some people perceive different things based on their own placements. Um, one of the things that I came up with as I was trying to write down some of my own significations, though, is um, quick and zooming. For some reason, zooming around is one of my like first things that I think of when it comes to Aries. That's an interesting. I've, that's an interesting word because I think of zooming also as Gemini-ish because it's, zoom doesn't necessarily have direction. Um, mm -hmm. But but go ahead. I like I like that. Go ahead. Just the idea of because with Mars ruling the sign, Mars is really about movement and is about speed and quickness as opposed to Saturn, which is slow and it slows things down and sometimes grinds things to a halt. And that's sometimes why, for example, this Mars-Saturn conjunction that we recently had or the one that happened two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic when the lockdowns happened, that's sometimes why that energy of Mars-Saturn can be experienced as somewhat negative because you get those two extreme tendencies of wanting to go very fast or wanting to something forcing you to go very slow and it can grind things to a halt and like hold back or cancel out all movement or create a, a conflict between them. But in unpackaging that, I think one of the underlying things that I keep coming back to as an archetype for Aries is the notion of movement and speed and, and quickness. Yeah. And, and that speed of Aries, unlike Gemini is almost instantaneous, at least in concept. Um, it's been said that the shortest distance between two two points is not a line, it's a thought. And in a way, although Aries is action, it's that there's this short distance between the idea of what's happening and where you want to get to that makes that sense of the present moment almost like expanded. It's like everything that's happening is happening right now. And so, yeah, it's the it's movement at the speed of light, you know. And certainly, Albert had, Albert Einstein had you know some Aries influence in his chart. Um, and so, there's that whole sense of of Aries being um, instantaneity, which can be perceived as very fast. Yeah, and sometimes that can be really constructive, like um, striking while the iron is hot, for example, as an expression. Well, that's a good. It's a good Aries line. Yeah. Um, Strike but, and hot are both Aries words. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes there can be another side of that, which can be like um, impatience, like the, the person that wants to do something right now and doesn't want to wait in order to do it so that you get sort of both and sides And there's a of price that. to pay often for uh, too much unbridled Aries. Uh, and I think that that's associated with, with youth. I mean, I still have that issue in my life. But looking back to my childhood and teen years, uh, there are certainly situations that I got myself into that had I stopped and thought for a moment, I would have realized, maybe this isn't such a good idea. <laughs> right. And I forgot to mention at the top of this, the date for this episode, just because I always try to include that, but it's April 10th, 2022, starting, we started at about 1.08 p.m. Uh, in Denver, Colorado with Leah rising and the sun 
right around the midheaven at 20 degrees of Aries. Um, so I was trying to we had a little some technical snafus for the original chart that we were shooting for a couple of days ago. Uh, but this is still nice that we're still in Aries season and we're I'm gonna try to record these episodes one a month uh, with the sun going through each of those signs as we do it over the course of the next year. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to what you're talking about, so we, we talked a little bit about uh, striking while the iron is hot, and then also some of the downsides of some of that, which can be impatience. But then going back to the positives, it makes me think of another saying, which is the the early bird catches the worm, and that might be a good another Aries thing in terms of you know being first at something, sometimes being a, a winning combination, or sometimes being successful as a result of being first and being the first one to take the risk at you know being the first to do something. Yeah, I think that one of the traits of Aries is, I was going to say not being afraid, but I'm not sure that that's quite correct. It's being afraid and not being resistant to facing the fear and pushing through it of being the first one to do whatever, fill in the blank. You know, one so of the words- Courage. Say courage, again? courage. Courage or courageousness. Yeah, there's a sense of, um, you know, we associate Aries, two really good Aries key words- are pioneering and enterprising. Mm. Now, both of those words indicate that the person is doing something that other people haven't done yet. If you're if you're an enterprising person, you can put pieces together and create something that that has never been done before or something that in some way is a combination of things that 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 you have to figure out as you're going along. You can't make a game. You can't be a pioneer and make a game plan. I mean, if you're a pioneer, as soon as you take that first step into the unknown, your game plan is survival. You may have skills that you've worked on. You may be um, adept at certain things that make you a better pioneer than someone else. And I'm not talking about just the Daniel Boones and John Fremonts who were pioneers in the United States who went into territories that were as of yet discovered and they used their Marsy Aries energy to kind of um, to lead the way like a scout would lead the way would go where other people have not you know not been um, <laughs> Captain James T. Kirk um, you know uh, in the Starship Enterprise is 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 just an absolute, um, perfect archetype for Aries. What do they do? They go to places that have never been explored. Um, but it's also the pioneers of intellect and the pioneers of ideas that are also Aryan, Aryan that are people who are going into places that are brand new. And for an Aries, that's exciting. It's exciting being somewhere where no one else has ever been. Whereas for someone else, that might be so threatening that they would rather go and take the tried and, and, and true. And I'm reminded of a William Blake line from The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, where he writes that the road of genius is a crooked one, where that of an improver is straight. And I think that, that the, there's a sense of that Aries recklessness that is not a straight line. Because the the Aries person who may be the great pioneer may go and take three or four journeys that totally fail, that don't get to where they want to go until they actually get to where they want to go. Right. Like you got to 
breaks some eggs in order to make an omelet, <laughs> I think is the saying. I, I like that. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this brings up some other things. One of them we might get into now is there's a, a cluster of significations uh, connected with Mars that have to do with like the warrior, the fighter, the leader. Um, and one of them is also the hero. And for me, that's one of the best overarching or underlying archetypes for Aries is the notion of the hero at its highest expression and the notion of the hero's journey, um, which is this sort of concept that's been developed over the past century by Joseph Campbell and other people of this, this notion of there being this core archetype that shows up in many different myths from different cultures about um, what the sequence is in the development of a hero archetype and what kind of journey that they go through from simple origins um, to something more complex to the person that we think of at the end of the story. Um, so I have a little like snippet from Wikipedia where they're talking about Joseph Campbell's take on this, and it says, the, the concept is that a hero ventures forth from the world of common day into a region of supernatural wonder. Fabulous forces are then encountered and a decisive victory is won. The hero comes back from this mysterious adventure with the power to bestow boons on his fellow man. So that's kind of a short version of it, but the, the long version of it is that there's a, a number of different stages and steps along the way in the journey, um, but that they, again, from another paragraph, it says that they begin in an ordinary world and the hero must depart from the ordinary world where he receives a call to adventure, which is uh -huh. a very yeah. Aries type yep. signification. Mm -hmm. And it says with the help of a mentor, because the, the hero is often a younger type figure, but and then which is another Aries type thing of, of like youth or youth youthfulness. It says the hero will cross a guarded threshold leading him to a supernatural world where familiar laws and order do not apply. There, the hero will embark on a road of trials where he's tested along the way. So that's another like Aries thing, which is sometimes having um, setbacks or trials, like trying something initially and not necessarily succeeding. Um, then it says the archetypal hero is sometimes assisted by allies. As the hero faces the, the ordeal, he encounters the greatest challenge of the journey. Upon rising to the challenge, the hero will receive a reward or a boon. Um, Campbell's theory of monomyth continues with the inclusion of a metaphorical death and resurrection. The hero must then decide to return with this boon to the ordinary world. The hero then faces more trials on the road back. Upon the hero's return, the boon or gift may be used to improve the hero's ordinary world in what H Campbell calls the application of the boon. So this is all just from the Wikipedia page on the synopsis of his book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. But I just like that notion of the hero. And then, of course, we've seen that show up in many different um, arts and um, uh, culture type things. Like, for example, in Star Wars, where George Lucas drew on that for the figure of, of Luke in the very first Star Wars movie and how, how he starts out as sort of like a humble uh, water, like moisture farmer on a desert planet. And then, and apparently George Lucas had conversation with Joseph Campbell in crafting some of these figures, you know? Yeah, right. So he, he was like drew on that explicitly in developing the figure of Luke. And then Luke, mm -hmm. you know, finds out all this stuff about his lineage and like goes on to be the hero and save the day, so to speak. And it's funny actually, because I was looking through my files and 
the actor who even played Luke, Mark Hamill, has Jupiter in Aries, which is kind of a funny, <laughs> funny placement I, yeah. down there. Yeah, I love it when that happens. When when the person who's acting the part, we've seen this before. I think Alex Trenoweth just wrote a book on 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 people who play parts that their chart actually supports. Mm. So, yeah, which is a major phenomenon. So when it comes to that, that's one of the highest expressions of the Aries archetype. I feel like is the hero, like the mm -hmm. somebody that will fight and defend somebody, um, especially for a cause or for a reason, or will defend the downtrodden, or what will who who will fight and sort of strike out and do what's right, even if it means going it alone and encountering hardships or difficulties in order to achieve or defend that which needs to be defended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All, all of that true. Um, and I don't know if you mentioned the fact that um, Joseph Campbell was not only an Aries, but had Mercury, Jupiter, and Mars all in Aries too, just as a point of reference. Yes, that's hugely important. You mentioned his chart and put him in our notes, and I think that's amazing that he had an Aries stellium. So he had mm -hmm. Libra rising, and he had yeah. Sun at five, Mercury at six, Jupiter at six, Descendant at 20, and Mars at 21, all in Aries. So the guy that developed this notion or had this observation about the hero's journey himself had a huge number of placements in Aries. Which well, is and, and the cool thing about this is not just that he had the Mars in Aries, he went on the journey himself. You know, Early on in life, he went and went off into a cabin up in the Adirondack Mountains in New York. Um, we, you know, people don't know that the first book that he wrote was a book called A Skeleton Key to Finnegan's Wake, which anyone who has any literary orientation knows is a book that was so complicated that, that most people just said, this is gobbledygook, it's trash, it doesn't mean anything. And Joseph Campbell actually wrote a book that deciphers it like page by page by page, but he did it by going away and, and becoming a recluse and really going on his own journey. And what's fascinating about his chart is that the Sun, Mercury, and Jupiter are all within um, almost a quarter of a degree. They're 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 like they're like they're they're that close. They are. Um, it's actually I think seventeen minutes of orb from the Sun to Mercury to Jupiter, and here and they're in his sixth house. This was his work. They're trying the Moon in Leo in the tenth house, so he puts on the show. The you know the uh, um, huge the man with the thousand faces and the um, the the um, PBS specials that he's known for. Um, but it's the Sun and Mercury communication, and then Jupiter, the philosophy, but all in Aries. He made all this stuff up. No one had done this work before ever. That's a pioneer. Right, for sure. So so this is all sort of positive version. We're going to go back and forth because no sign and no placement is either all positive or all negative. And either it can express in either constructive or, or destructive ways, and people can take it in different directions or even somewhere in between it has to do with like you know the person's own choices it has to do with the environment that they grew up in it has to do with and people can change and manifest different versions of the archetype at different times throughout their life and cannot can sometimes be not always just one version or another but so that that, that said um you know we have the highest expression of let's say the hero's journey or the hero archetype with aries but then also there can be um 
the the fighter or the military figure or there can be the person that is instigating things that is not the hero but is like let's say like the villain or the person that's constantly starting yeah. fights with the villain or, or the bull or the bully even the insecure person who had who is coming out of no strength at all and then overcompensating for it and acting tough because because of the fear of what what it might be if people realized what a wimp or you know he he or she was or yeah something that came to mind yesterday when i was writing on significations when it gets to that area was um the notion of the the napoleon complex yeah um yeah. or the notion of somebody that has like an insecurity about some something with them and in order to hide or make up for that they overcompensate by being overly aggressive or 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 bossy or something like that exactly exactly yeah yeah, so that can be um, an issue to sort of pay attention to, or or a weakness, or a sort of blind spot. In some instances, is um, that that sometimes there can be a sort of an, an insecurity that's masked or covered by um, a sort of aggress aggressiveness, or a tendency to to fight, or a tendency to try to dominate in some sense, or or even the notion of an of an Aries being uh, pushy, not even necessarily physically, but but Aries. You know, one of the interesting things about Aries is that as the baby of the Zodiac, it is unconscious in a very odd way. It's unconscious like two planets in conjunction have no perspective on one another. There's not an awareness because they're, because they're so close together. Um, there is an unconsciousness to it. And the baby... Um, who can be amused by their fingers and toes for hours has no idea that the fingers and toes are part of their own being. They're like everything in the universe is part of the self, whether it's part of the self or not. And, and, and herein is an interesting thing about Aries selfishness versus selflessness, because theoretically an Aries would be very selfish Selfish because Aries is the sign of the self. It's the first sign. It's the I, me, mine. Um, it's the baby who doesn't know that anyone else has any needs. So therefore it takes care of its own needs. But when you look at the developed Aries, you realize that they've included in their sense of self, their, their loved ones, their children, their parents, their family, their country, you know, some sense of a wider concept so that it's there in some ways they're still being selfish, but the self is so expanded that it becomes the Thomas Jefferson who wrote the Declaration of Independence. I mean, how you can't make that kind of stuff up. Aries is also the sign of freedom and independence. And, and you have someone like Jefferson who wrote that in some ways because of his selfishness of wanting to declare his independence, but he projects it out to a larger, wider audience that turns that selfishness into a form of selflessness. Just an interesting tweak. Yeah. I like that you mentioned that independence as being a really strong and important Aries keyword, as well as related ones like autonomy and having self autonomy, wanting to be unencumbered, you know, by other people or act, uh, you know, on their own mm -hmm. or being um, self-sufficient is another Aries keyword that's tied Very in much. with that complex. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that you see in people often develop over time. 
you see the the youthful Aries like like a ram being part of a family or a pack or a group and then as the ram grows older and learns survival then you see that lone ram on the top of the mountain um or standing alone w- w- feeling or apparently looking like it doesn't need anyone else. And of course, everyone needs someone else. It's not quite that simple. Um, But there is something about that sense of solidarity, aloofness, aloneness. Above it isn't quite right, but but there's a boundary. There's a, there, that makes that Aries, I think, in a more mature stance, um, become more independent. Mm, That makes sense. Um, all right, so let's see other areas. Um, one of them with the fieriness or the heat, the hotness, like the notion of of it being a fire sign. Some of the other things that can come up with this can be things like um, anger, like that notion when you get really angry about something and you're just seeing red is another expression. Red is a, another a color sort of associated with Aries. Mars, the angry red planet, which is what it's referred to as. Right. So anger. Uh, redness, blood. Uh, so, so notions of anger, though sometimes quick to anger or being temperamental, can be a side of Aries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know that I have anything to add to that other than it's absolutely true. Um, one thing about the Aries anger, though, that and this goes back to that concept of a baby. You know, a baby, when it feels pain or discomfort, cries, yells, screams, gets angry, and then there's no trace left of it. As adults, we learn that we can't always do that. And so there's something about a, a raw innocence or, or, or immaturity, even, about an Aries kind of overreacting in some people's minds and getting angry. But then, Aries as a sign, not, not that people have, not that people don't have other influences, but Aries as a sign is not interested in carrying a grudge. Why? Because a grudge refers to something that you're holding on to from the past. That's the Cancerian, I'd rather get even than get angry kind of a thing. Um, Aries wants to blow the energy off in the moment, which can upset others, but the Aries is left feeling great because it expressed its anger and it's done with it boom right so there can be it can become sort of furious or there can be an initial like rage yeah. but it's something where they're eventually forgiving and the rage doesn't last necessarily but eventually they get over it as opposed to let's say again like contrasting that with scorpio which is like a fixed mars ruled sign where it's like you if they get mad about something, they may hold on to it for like years or like decades. Forever. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Brilliant. Okay. That's really good and really insightful. And one of the things we're doing here, I want to clarify, is we're talking a lot about this in a context of personality characteristics and traits and, and psychology. Um, but through that, you can also understand some of the other ways that some of these archetypes may manifest in more literal situations, um, depending on the context, but because we're, we're, you know, one of the most accessible ways to access the, access the archetype is through the personality characteristics. So I, I just wanted to mention that briefly because while most of our, our conversation will focus on that so that it, people can use it and understand it in a way that's more immediately relatable, 
um, because we're talking about archetypes, there can be many different ways that these things can manifest in the world in different situations once you understand the underlying dynamics. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's those dynamics that we see in people that help us understand all of the signs and planets, the archetypes for that matter. I'll give you a quick example in my life. I mean, I the, the obviously I'm more or wider than than just an Aries, but there are certain things in my life that are quite Aryan. And I've been accused at various times in my life of being rude. Mm. Now, I'm people who know me know I'm I'm a pretty kind person, very kind. Um, I am someone who will go out of my way to to be kind when other people might just pass by a situation. However, I sometimes have been accused of being rude by people who I didn't even know I was interacting with. And that is a it, it's it's a negative part of that Aries being in the moment that you and I can have a conversation and I can just be going somewhere else in the conversation and not even give you any room to um, to say what you were going to say. Or if you do, just pass it off and go back to what I was doing or saying because of that whole self-directed notion of, of, of Aries, of getting to where it's going to without any distractions. Um, and I've, you know, been in social situations at conferences where apparently someone has said hello to me and then years later said, told me how rude I was when I didn't even remember the person saying hello to me. Now, I'm not saying that forgives me. I'm just saying that it's an Aries kind of a, a trait of being so focused on what it's focused on. And that's another thing that people sometimes skip over with Aries traits. The high level of focus is why an Aries can be such an intense warrior in the moment because there is no past or future. It's everything is now in this moment. And if it doesn't fit into what I'm doing in this moment, it doesn't exist. Um, but again, there's a personality interaction. Now, how does that translate to an archetype? It can translate into an archetype that might seem um, to be self-centered and uncaring when that's not necessarily what's going on. Yeah. So one of the words that's coming up as I hear you describe this is the word brusque. As good. Yeah, good words. Brusque, be, brash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So brusque. And I was just looking up a definition of brusque, which I'm going to do several times during this, but mark, marked by a rude or preemptatory shortness. Um, so curt, but, but underlying that is not, it's not the rudeness itself because the rudeness, I guess, is part of the side effect where some people can experience that as brusque, but the thing yeah. underlying it is getting to the point, getting straight to the point is one of the sayings and um, bringing it down to a more um, practical level. It's that notion that, um, you know, in geometry that the fastest way to get from one from point A to point B is a straight line. And Aries will take the straight line and the shortest line as their initial impulse. Um, rather than, let's say, some other signs might take a more circuitous route where you go around and you um, look tell at a the, story, tell a story. <laughs> yeah, or you you know you look at the scenery or something, or you know you look stopping to smell the roses, whereas the Aries maybe wants to get more straight to the point, and that can come off as brusque, um, maybe as a side effect, but it's not always necessarily the underlying intention. Yeah, I, I think that that is I think that is true. 
So that brings up other things, though, is like sometimes Aries can come off as sort of like rough around the edges or can be rough around the edges for, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking of some like some of the other keywords I was coming up with were things like like a biker or a fighter, a warrior, a soldier. One of my favorite examples, for example, of, of astrologers that I know or knew was my friend Alan White. And I always use him as my like classic Aries rising example with Mars and Aries in a day chart because he was this like, you know, former soldier, special forces, ex-Vietnam veteran who also was an astrologer. Yeah, I never knew whether to be scared by Alan or to be totally fascinated by his ability to know stuff that I had no idea about, you know? Right, because he he would show up to like conferences with his like, you know, military, you know, fatigues on or or regalia on. And he had this very gruff, um, brusque way of speaking with this this loud sort of like booming voice that could be very direct. And he was he was not one to avoid like using profanity and and things like that. Um, But uh, sort of underlying that initial sort of um, impulse or underlying that initial impression was a uh, sort of softer, more thoughtful sort of person internally. And he had a lot of other stuff going on in his chart. But um, yeah, that, that notion of that sometimes Aries can be brusque. It can, ru- it can rub some people the wrong way. It can be off-putting. Hunter sometimes. S. Thompson is, a, is a, another you know, good Aries energy. I think he had an Aries ascendant. And people he, he pissed people off because he was um, because he was just like, didn't give a shit about what they thought or what they were think, you know, what they were wanted to say. He had his point to make and he was going to make it. Yeah. So not being afraid to hurt somebody's feelings sometimes, uh, in order to say what needs to be said or what they feel like saying. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we should say that what needs to be said isn't always what needs to be said. <laughs> that 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 one of the downsides of raw Aries energy is saying things that do not need to be said. That you know, it, it's I can hear the therapist saying to me. Um, so why did you say that? Um, you know, was it because you wanted the other person to know, or did you say it just so that you could feel better? You know, um, about yourself. Um, and, and, and I think oftentimes, um, you know, that Aries energy, um, is, you know, it it can go out of its way, um, to kind of make people angry or annoyed without even necessarily knowing it. But I think there's also sometimes a sense of knowing it and kind of liking it, you know, that it's the, um, the finger prodder, you know, who's going to poke until the person reacts somehow and I think that people can 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 do that. Yeah, and that can be like the the rabble rouser, or or the somebody that starts, you know, kicks up dust or um, starts problems by needling or like poking people. For example, Chris Rock. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know you were going there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good one. There's a little questionable thing about his birth data, but if the current one that we have is correct, he's an Aries rising with Mars in Virgo, which is really interesting because that's another example of how, especially with the rising sign, I think especially um, 
the placement of Mars in whatever sign it's located in will really modify the expression of the rising sign since mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when Aries is rising, Mars is the ruling planet. And so you get more of a, a blend between the Aries and the Martian energy or Aries and Virgo energy as expressed by Mars. Yeah. 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 So um, things said in the heat of the moment. Um, we talked about the young thing already, and that can sometimes lead to other things like uh like born to be wild was a was a phrase that I came up with or bad to the bone that like song um the notion of Aries can sometimes like like being a little bit gruff and sometimes like having that conception of themselves as gruff or putting Marlon Brando mm. you know as you know in his, in his earlier movies I mean he was he was the tough guy right the tough guy that's a good one and uh, Marlon Brando I think is an Aries new moon um, and, um, yeah, there's a sense of, of, um, of other military people too. You know, um, it, it, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that the perhaps most convincing of Michel Gokalan's work was the idea that people who excelled in the military, um, and in sports tended to have Aries ruling planet Mars, um, in a sector of the chart in a house that was close to uh, one of the cardinal points. And we have, um, uh, you know, soldiers like, like Colin Powell, um, you know, who may not have spent time in fistfights, but as a um, military leader um, used his Aries sense of working with conflict um, in a way that would be, would be typically Aryan. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I'm glad you brought up the sports thing, because I think sports and sporty are very important and core, like Aries keywords, because you get some of that. Aries is very kinetic and is very about like like uh, competition, but also um, sport and athleticism and being sort of embodied in the body, but but doing it in a way of of acting. And if you, you can do something where you're acting or you're you're um, exerting and a sort of explosion of energy that very much fits in with that sort of archetype and, and doing it in a way that's competitive. Yeah, I've seen uh, a, a couple of instances where Shaq O'Neal um, kind of exuded that um, I, he, he had Mercury, Venus, um, and uh, Aries rising, um, where he kind of went out of his way to be gruff. And, and, and yet, because Venus was there also, there's a part of him that is very that underneath that is is a lot sweeter um, than than he can appear, uh, but he can use that size and 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 physical prowess prowess um, to kind of you know to to bully a situation to push it around. Mm, right. Um, let's see other things. I think defiant can sometimes be an Aries keyword or even irreverent. Irreverence possibly one that can be tied in with that a little bit um in the the rebelliousness to some extent or not being afraid to like as we said earlier like hurt somebody's feelings but also to break away from something in a more positive or constructive expression that needs to be defied like defying an oppressive authority figure or something mm -hmm. like that che Guevara, you know the right. revolutionary um uh yeah i think that there's a sense of 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 wanting to uh, take on power, um, part for the sport of fighting. You know, there's that sense of, 
of um, of uh, uh, being engaged, where that Marsy energy comes to the surface, that I think becomes important for Aries. Um, that yeah, that is. It, it, I think that works. I think that's an important thing. Yeah. So maybe in needing something to fight one way or another, needing a way to express that energy and that impulse to fight something, and that that can be sometimes constructively expressed if they're able to find a cause as or a good cause or constructive cause, or sometimes can be destructively expressed if they're just fighting needlessly or constantly starting conflicts with people or even um, you know bullying somebody, as you said earlier. Yeah, you know, someone who kind of exudes that Marsy Aries energy. Um, I don't think she's a sun sign Aries, but I think her uh, Angelina Jolie, who um, although may be a character um, who is known for her physical beauty, um, is also known for her uh, leading roles as um, as a powerhouse of of, of a woman. You, you don't want to mess with this person. Yeah, as, um, a, as an action action star, as an action star, and so although she the charts up I see is although she's a Gemini um, with her Mercury in Gemini, so her use of words is certainly uh, well developed. Her Moon, Mars, Jupiter are all around, and Jupiter closely conjunct her midheaven, all in Aries. And that Mars in Aries is like a, a powerhouse. This is not a woman that you'd you know want to be engaged in a battle with. Yeah, and doing action movies and being seen as kind of like like a badass, which is a badass, badass, yeah, Aries type signification. And and interestingly, with those tenth house placements, one of her early roles that she did was when she played Laura Croft in the Tomb Raider movie. Yes, and I think part of her story that I've used her as a tenth house example before is she went to. This was one of her first experiences having exposure to um, another country that was war-torn, and she ended up then devoting a lot of her her work and efforts in her career outside of her movie roles to trying to help people, um, especially from war-torn countries um, who who were struggling with that, and to do like humanitarian aid efforts. And that's something that I'm constantly impressed and surprised by that sometimes when people have difficult placements in their chart it can manifest as them trying to help out people that are in difficult positions that are described by those placements yeah well and, and she also has some cancerian you know stuff also that kind of uh, gives her that sense of um caring more than people think she might what comes across um, you know, is the um, is the Aries and maybe even the Gemini, but that Cancer uh, is is really there and, and shows up as someone who is is a caring and loving person, right? For sure. Um, let's see. So going back to um, you know, there's some uh, competitive things. Never backing down from a challenge is is something like I think of uh, Aries sometimes. I think of like Marty McFly in the Back to the Future series. When, Ooh, yeah. Whenever, whenever in the series somebody, um, you know, he's like trying to back out of a conflict and he, he knows he shouldn't. But then when somebody calls him chicken, he can't back down from that challenge and he has to take them up and, and do the race at that point um, because it sort of is connected with his ego in some sense of, of nobody's right. going to challenge him and he's not going to walk away from a, a challenge in that way. Right, 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 right. True. Um, yeah, there, that, that whole idea of 
of not wanting to be seen as as weak i think is really what the issue is um and that fear of 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 being seen as weak then leads to the overcompensation uh tom petty is a good example of that um although he is a is was um a libra with a pile of planets in libra he had aries rising and you know his famous song um, I won't back down. You know, you can lead me to the gates of hell, but I won't back down. That is such an Aries in your face. And interestingly enough, as 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 um, Libran and 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 kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Nice a person as he was, he had this kind of ba- again. We're back to the badass image. You know, the leather jacket and the kind of the 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 uh, toughness of appearance. And that I, you know, the the album title I think that that song was from was "Damn the Torpedoes." You know, it's like I, I won't back down. And the story is that he allegedly wrote that song while being deposed by um, attorneys that had to do with who owned his material, and they were, you know, in in, in L.A. they were high level well, entertainment attorneys. Um, deposing him, and he's sitting there in the deposition with this rather large knife in a black leather jacket, cleaning his nails with this knife. You know, basically not giving an inch. So there's that Aries kind of like, uh, um, you know, tougher than nails appearance when 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 he really maybe felt differently on the inside. And you mentioned a, a knife. That's a good. That's always been a Mars. Oh, keyword, sharp edges. Also, yes. Yeah, and, and sharpness, which then has many different meanings. Or, or a sword is another good Mars type thing. Um, yeah. Um, and then going back, the the comp- competitiveness, um, wanting to be a winner, like wanting to be number one. Um, as again, probably an extension not just of the competitiveness, but the notion of Aries being the first sign and the notion of being number one re- reoccurring in many different ways through the archetype. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, as you were talking about, I mean, the whole idea of the knife and or a bullet, um, there's a sense of Mars relating to Aries um, as penetrating. Um, and even in the in the sexual act, which is can be associated with the Martian assertion or aggression, there's this sense of 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 a tool that penetrates, um, which actually can be the mind. And I think sometimes people forget that Aries isn't just and it isn't just a physical warrior. That the Aries can be an actual intellectual warrior, someone who who fights for their ideas, whatever they may be. I think of Rachel Maddow, for example, um, who is a son in Aries. And I think, I think, I think that's even on her midheaven, if I if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and the fact that that she uses her intelligence to actually fight for her convictions, but I can't imagine her in a physical, you know, um fracas. Uh, it just doesn't it it doesn't fit who she is. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So sometimes it being coming out intellectually, other times it, it's like the Aries energy. If it was in the seventh house, it could come out in relationships, or if, if like Venus was there, or something like that. Sometimes you can be attracted to that energy in your life, and that energy can show up in other people in terms of who you attract or the type of people that you gravitate towards. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's like the people, the person that's like you know interested in the 
the guy with the leather jacket or the rebellious person who who's mysterious that looks rough around the edges or something like that? Yeah, I think that's all. Oh, that, I think that's true. One other thing that just popped into my mind, which I don't think we've even touched on, which is also absolutely an Aries uh, trait. We talked about the risk taking in the concept of enterprising or pioneering, but we didn't use the word gambling. And, mm. you know, th I mean, gambling is really just a form of risk taking. Um, and I knew this uh, gentleman, very a very well-known person in the business world, who was, who is um, an Aries with a Saturn-Mars conjunction in, in Cancer, I think 1946-ish or somewhere in there. And, um, and, and he had several um, companies that he started, grew too fast, bankrupted and fell apart until he basically figured out his way of approaching things and built a company that became a multi-million dollar uh, company in the area of um, medical foods, um, um, of um, kind of products that were not like dietary supplements, but that were food that were still basically medically oriented. And the reason I'm bringing him up was is that um, – uh, he and I were once on our way to Vegas for a conference that we were attending. Um, and, and I said, so, so do you gamble? And he looked at me, he goes, Oh, absolutely. But not, not with money in Vegas. I gamble with real life situations. Nice. And he's, an, and it and it was such an Aries thing to say, because as you look at his life, that's really what he did. And then you have real gamblers, like people like Pete Rose, you know, who lost their place in being in the Baseball Hall of Fame, regardless of what a great player he was, because he was found guilty of gambling. Aries, Aries Ascendant. I love that you brought that up because, um, so the, the risk taker, but also the daredevil. The daredevil, the evil Knievel type person. I don't even know his chart. I, I That's who I'm about it. to bring. That's who I'm oh. about to bring up because we actually do have a time chart and he's one of my favorite Ruler of the Ascendant examples because Evil Knievel had Aquarius rising with Saturn as the traditional ruler of the Ascendant in Aries in the third house of short distance travel. And of course, he famously, you know, would do these death defying stunts where he would drive a motorcycle off a ramp and like jump over like a, like a chasm or a bunch of cars or, or things like that. And he was constantly, you know, he's the, the archetype, at least in like the late 20th century, like daredevil figure that people think about when they think of that idea of like risking your life to do a stunt or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And let's see, you, you, you have his chart up, do you? Yeah. So it's right here. It's Aquarius rising with Saturn at 13 Aries. Yeah. Saturn in and the, Aries yeah. in the third whole sign house. And that's what, what's funny. And the other reason I use it is that Mars, the ruler of the third house is in Virgo in the eighth house of death. And he was doing like death defying stunts and defying death constantly. Which is kind of a career. Mars Neptune thing of like this death isn't real kind of a yeah. thing. And also the, the Saturn the and Aries. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. I sorry. I, I had an Aries moment. I was interrupting you. No, no. I was just uh, attacking <laughs> onto what you said. Maybe like the illusion of it being a de something a death-defying stunt with Mars there conjunct Neptune. That maybe the illusion sometimes was like more than the actual risk or something like that. Yeah, but even the Aries in the third house, which you know is arguably. Arguably, a motorcycle um, ride 
um, accelerating to a high speed and flying off into the air is a Gemini right. third house short trip, very short trip. But with Saturn there, it's like, what's the boundary? Can I push this boundary a little further? You know, and and that and Saturn in Aries, I think sometimes um, does that because they they find that boundary and then they want to lean into it. They want to push it a little bit further. Yeah, and for those for those of our, our younger people who don't really know who this is, just for reading from the Wikipedia, it says he was an American stunt performer and entertainer. Over the course of his career, he attempted more than seventy five ramp to ramp motorcycle jumps. He was inducted into the Motorcycle Hall of Fame in nineteen eighty nine and died in 2007. Yeah, he did some crazy shit like 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 things that were like and I'm not sure he did this but like taking a motorcycle jump across the Grand Canyon. Things that that only stupid people would do. And the amazing thing is that he didn't die from any of those things. He died from I think uh lung cancer or something. Yeah, yeah. Um so that's a great example just of the the risk taker, the daredevil um, Which is a form of gambling. It's a form of gambling with one's own body. It's, mm. you know, yeah. Right. Um, so it can also be audacious, bold, um, plucky or intrepid or other keywords, sometimes spontaneous, like spontaneity can sometimes be an Aries thing. Well, and spontaneity is simply the idea of be here now. Spontaneity is, there's there's a concept in in Buddhism that has to do with enlightenment, which we kind of think of as, oh, this wonderful state. In in some forms of Vajrayana Buddhism, enlightenment is like a fierce warrior state because being in the present moment where there's no memory of anything in the past and no anticipation of anything in the future, that's really dangerous. You know, it, it's they call it riding the razor's edge. You know, and and in a way, that sense of not only Ram Das, who was an Aries and 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 wrote about the power, or wrote about you know, be here now was was a book that he wrote, which became you know, kind of keywords of the 1960s of you know the whole you know hippie revolution, be here now. But then later on, someone like Eckhart Tolle, who wrote a book called The Power of Now. And again, we're talking about spontaneity happens when the focus, and again, a key word for Aries is focus. It's slightly different than the word intention, which is a Leo word, because intention is focus that carries through, that holds its position, that fixed sign Leo holds on to that focus. Aries is about focusing right now. Which is spontaneous. It's in the moment. The the immediacy, immediacy, immediacy of the moment. The urgency of the moment. Yeah. Mm. And that yeah. sense of 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 that not being a gentle place because it's very dangerous when you don't have any anticipation of what's gonna happen in the next moment. It it, it encourages risk taking. Mm. Right. I love that. Okay. Um, so sometimes that can be one of the ones I had a question mark around was like trendsetter in terms of being the initial person to do something or being first to do something and taking that risk in the initial moment in the present. Yeah, I, I was the first astrologer. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, that gets back to the Aries connection with now. 
you know, it's the the Aries person is the first person on their block to have a hula hoop, a yo-yo, you know, a skateboard, uh, whatever the current trend or fashion is that's coming in. Aries has this like like antenna that goes up and can read the zeitgeist of the moment. Again, I'm going to come back to that intuit intuition word. They don't think about it. They just intuitively go, this is exciting. This is new. This is now. And I think new is another keyword for Aries that we didn't necessarily touch on. You know, the new year, the new look, the new, anything that is new has that, that Aryan sense. Um, and, and so, yeah, de definitely trends are things that in the long run may be unimportant. <laughs> Lady Gaga, perfect. Good example. Yeah, it was, I was just thinking of Lady Gaga's chart because she's a sun in Aries with the sun right on the midheaven and also Venus in Aries in the 10th house. And especially early on, a lot of her, the way that she made a name for herself was with her fashion, her like really um, progressive or new or sometimes like avant garde, like fashion stuff, like wearing like a meat suit or so, stuff like that to a, a mm -hmm. fashion event mm -hmm. and really pushing the boundaries of things by being like the first to do something. And look at that Venus in Aries trying Uranus, the the person who is not only not only reflecting the modern trend, but maybe even creating it, being slightly ahead of the curve with the Uranus pulling it into the future, and yet the Saturn trining the midheaven and sun, it somehow she does it and she's not flaky. I mean, there's something about her that if someone else did it, you'd just write them off as a you know, crazy person who's doing weird shit. And yet when she does it, somehow it's a lot more real and stable because she has the the stuff, the Saturnian substance behind it to 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 make it real. Yeah, that's a funny distinction that you're bringing up of like Aries and being the first to do something versus Uranus being just kind of weird or that which is eccentric in some way and that, that there can be like overlap between those, but there's, there's, there's somewhat separate sort of ideas or archetypes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It, it, they work well together, but they're not the same thing. Right. You yeah, know, and it's sure. kind of why Aries, you know, and, and Aquarius um, are, are sextile by sign. There's mm -hmm. something about that that seems to take in the modern sense uranus related to aquarius i know in a traditional sense not but um there's that sense of them working together but but there is a difference they're not the same thing they're not mm -hmm. the same thing right um let's see a couple other significations are written down were like malcontent or braggart possibly sometimes yeah, think? I, th I think we touched on that a little we, bit. A okay. brag, well, a braggart's like a bully. It's 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 an intellectual bully, you know. It, it's someone who who is saying I'm better than, I'm bigger than. Uh, there, there's that energy that comes back to self. Um, that kind of is um, narcissistic. Narcissistic. Not that all fire signs or all Aries are narcissists. But there's there's that sense of making my um, reality more important than your reality. Yeah. So braggart, the definition on Google, it says a person who boasts about achievements or possessions. So maybe the one 
what's the expression? Like a sore winner, like the person that wins, but then like rub, rubs <laughs> knew, it in your face. I've never heard that before. That's a good line. A sore well, I've, I've heard the way sore loser. Everyone's yeah. heard that, but I, I don't know if that, if sore winner is like the reverse of that, or if there's another phrase. Uh-huh. I, you know, it's great. I love it. I love it. It's good. One who, one who gloats over a victory is what the definition says. So that's pretty yeah. good is, is the, yeah. you know, the, not just the, the one who wants to be number one and, and achieves number one, but then once they get there, sometimes maybe the shadow side can be to like kick downwards mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. to sort of like rub it in the faces of those who weren't able to to reach that level. Yeah, you know, um, although although this person has no planets in Aries, Donald Trump has Mars rising in fiery Leo, and that's there there he does carry that kind of energy. I think at times, mm, <laughs> maybe <sure>. at all times. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see other things, insistent, bulldozer, simple sometimes, which I thought was an interesting, there can be a simplicity sometimes to Aries or single mindedness. Single mindedness is, I, I would personally, not that I think simplicity, I think simplicity is a word that can be interpreted as a negative thing, mm -hmm. but I think that, that simplicity is more of a Taurian energy mm -hmm. that ta Taurus is keep it simple. Right. You know, and and yet the Aries can seem simple like a Taurus when it is highly concentrated or focused. When it when it is focused, I don't think it's being simple. I think it's being focused. And maybe there is a simplicity to it. Maybe I'm just cutting words up too finely. Um, but I but I like to reserve simple for um, for that sense of simple pleasures, simple life, simple you know, back to basics that we normally refer to as Taurian, not Aryan energies. Yeah, that, that's just sure. me. Basic, basic is a good Taurus keyword, especially in like the modern like slang usage of like that person's really basic can be a good Taurus keyword. So I, I understand where you're going. That makes sense there. Um, let's see, other things I wrote down, playful, lunging, like lunging at something is is a funny Mars. And, and well, that, and yeah, and that word lunging also comes back to it's for Aries. There's a delicate balance where where assertion becomes aggression. the The two words actually mean the same thing, but there's a different quality or a different level of amplitude. If you're too assertive, you become aggressive. Right. And if you're too aggressive, that's when you're thrusting, when you're penetrating someone else's boundaries as an uninvited guest or potentially uninvited guest. Right. And so, yeah, I think that those are good words for, for Aries that it, it gets back to being pushy. It gets back to being pushing yourself or someone else into a situation, goading someone, you know, to do something is, is, is a way of pushing them rather than, than, you know, than pushing yourself. But I think even the drive for self-motivation you know, for a highly focused reason can certainly also be an Aries, um, an Aries type thing that, that, uh, uh, that drive. I mean, it doesn't have the discipline that Capricorn or Saturn does without a Capricorn or Saturnian influence. Um, but boy, I think that it can be, um, incredibly self-motivating. Yeah, for sure. And I think so much of that and what you're talking about has to do with the interplay the constant interplay between Mars and Venus and being like the other side of the coin, uh, for example, mm -hmm. in like the domicile rulership scheme of like Aries 
and all of its significations being um, on the other side of the coin or the opposite end of the zodiac from Venus and Libra, or for another pair with the same similar dynamics is like Taurus, which is ruled by Venus, and Mars, which is ruled or Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars traditionally, and that you get some of those same dynamics and that can also be some sometimes the reason why why Mars people can get themselves in trouble is that delicate balance between the the hunt and the chase and Mars often liking the the hunt or a hunter being another like Aries type archetype um but that 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 sometimes there can be a delicate balance between those two and and if it gets upset and you go too far in one direction it can it can be um problematic or 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 some difficult tricky things can come up Joe McCarthy, um, McCarthyism in the 1950s um, is someone who had an Aries ascendant and Saturn there. And this was a, a guy who was quite formidable at his height of power, and yet he abused it. He pushed, you know, he, you know, um, you know, he, he was a, a politician that in some ways foreshadowed our current uh, situation in politics where, where people can be um, less politically motivated and more power pushy motivated. Um, and, and he certainly, certainly did that. He's a good example of that bully, you know, uh, people did not want to stand up to him and did not want to face him. Right. So for those that are not familiar with this, so it's about the, he, he was the one that started like the red panic or the red scare where he was like a cute, he was a politician exactly. in the U S that was accusing people of being, um, like communist or being anti-American and started, like a, a witch hunt basically for that, which led to like attacking and defaming and persecuting a, a lot of people. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well said, you know, another person who's like that, but we, but where is it so differently that he not only gets away with it, it in some ways makes him endearing to us. Um, and that is Aries, David Letterman, who also, can not so much bully, but be that in your face that, that, yeah, I mean, I think David Letterman might've been the first person on TV to actually do this to the camera and come and, you know, like, like come right in and, and be in, in your face, in your face. And I think that I've seen him do that with guests where he got onto something and, and it was like, you couldn't, you, you couldn't settle him down. He would keep coming back around um, to that concept again and again and again. And he had um, sun and Mars in Aries. It's an untimed birth, but we do know that, you know, the sun was obviously um, exalted and Mars in its domicile. And so that's another interesting one. But unlike uh, unlike McCarthy, he he did it in a way that was funny and most often he got away with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I was more of a, at least in the 90s, I came in late, so I didn't see the earlier part of Letterman's career. But in the 90s, I would always watch Leno mainly, I was more of a Leno guy, but Letterman always seemed like he had this edge to him. Like a lot of his conversation and his jokes and stuff had this like needling or this edge to them, which was subtle, but it was it was there in terms of his style of, of like interaction with with guests and stuff. And I think as a youth in his earlier shows, it was much more predominant. He was much more a caricature of himself in his earlier years than than he was when he settled into his role as as established. Yeah, so that makes sense. And it, I mean, it's funny as it brings up the other guy, my more favorite um, of the late night people in my 
the like late nineties and two thousands was um, Conan O'Brien, who was a sun in Aries and Jupiter in Aries with flaming and, red hair. <laughs> right. And um, was much more of the Jupiterian type version of that Aries archetype where it was much more good natured, but also breaking new ground and intrepid. And he was kind of like off on his own in this late show that was super late at night and he could just do whatever he wa- wanted. And so they would try new things and sometimes it would be kind of wacky and kind of zany, but it was also always in more of a good humor or good fun type thing. It was he never- was also, he had this self-deprecating thing that he really used quite well to mm-hmm. disarm people um, a- against the feeling like they were being bullied in some way. Yeah, that's a really good point. It was never, his jokes were never like at the expense of somebody else necessarily. It, they were often at the expense of himself. I mean, he was someone who really did that. You would never see... Yeah, you you would never see a, a Johnny Carson or a Jay Leno do that in the way that he did. That's really funny because maybe that his Mars is actually placed in Leo in the in the twelfth house, and it's funny because the twelfth house is traditionally said to be the place of self undoing, which is like such a weird and sometimes abstract signification that you often I would read books early on and wonder what the practical what that even meant practically speaking. But it would be funny if that self deprecation was coming from that Mars in the twelfth house placement. Yep. Interesting. Although I have to say that I've given that concept a lot of thought over the years, and I find it interesting that historically, the 12th house being so difficult because it is the house of our self-undoing, and in modern times, we look at the 12th house often as being the place of spiritual connection, and and, and you look at some of the modern religious and or um, spiritual practices— and their practices of undoing the self, <laughs> you know? And so that self-undoing can happen either um, someone um, to someone who is uh, repressed or unaware of their own stuff, and they end up, you know, in an institution, a hospital, a jail, whatever. Those are all forms of self-undoing. Or you can look at the person who, in their early teenage years, begins fasting meditation and processes of yoga and awareness like that. And those are all undoing the ego, self-undoing, conscious or unconscious. Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. I'm looking through our significations because there's it's all a jumble and we've kind of dropped jumped around. So I'm trying to see if <laughs> like there's an Aries, any- like an Aries should. I mean we had a plan and we wouldn't say we disregarded it, but we certainly we attacked it good air Aries word attack a good Aries word we attacked it in a way that we took whatever the most direct route was from wherever we were at each moment yeah ready ready <laughs> fire aim I think ready that was fire aim very yeah. beginning and that's kind of how we wanted to set this up because this is the first show and I wasn't fully sure about a structure but I realized we just needed to do it and then see how it went and we would find the structure along the way and that was that's very much in keeping with uh, Aries season and the the Chris. While we're looking episode. for the next words in the spirit of just ready fire aim, I, there are a couple of pieces that I would love to read that I think are interesting because they're they they take a different approach, but they're both short. One of them is from one of my favorite books um, by uh, Ronald Davison, um, a British astrologer, was president of the uh, Lodge. Uh, developed what we call, you know, relationship charts where we use midpoint charts, a brilliant astrologer. But this book, which is out of print and sometimes very expensive and difficult to find, I think is one astrology, just titled astrology. Okay. Um, Astrology by Ronald C. Davidson. Yep. 
And um, and in it, he um, traces through the cycle of the Zodiac in a very interesting way. And he says, let us now trace the cycle of experience as it is depicted in the Zodiac so we can get a better idea of the 12 um, phases of manifestation with which we identify ourselves according to the nature of our horoscope. The cardinal fire sign Aries represents the first cause, the life principle, pure spirit, God the creator, the resurrection, outrushing force whose impetus is irresistible. And I would also add um, unrepressible, um, or irrepressible, whatever that word would be. Here, um, he, here, the accent is on unfettered activity, primitive self-expression, the joy of being. Those who identify themselves largely with Aries therefore see themselves as leaders and pioneers. They seek activity often an adventurous kind, and managed to pack more experience into one lifetime than natives of some of the other signs might do in two or three. Just a short little blurb. It doesn't say anything that we haven't touched on in some way, but it kind of puts it together. And also the, the fact that he relates this to um, the expression of unconscious urge and godhood, um, it, the word, a good, here's a good word we didn't touch on, and that a good Aries word, and that is enthusiasm, mm, um, yeah. excitement. When an Aries gets charged up about something, it becomes enthused. And the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek entheos, which is with God. And when we're enthused, um, we, there's no separation between the, the divine that's coming in and our expression. It's like the artist who gets out of the way <laughs> uh, to do what his, her, or their art is. It's not Rick Levine doing this. It's some something coming through me, and that is very much an Aries kind of a thing, and Theos with God enthusiasm. Yeah, Aries are definitely very high energy. That's a good, that's a good phrase for Aries. Well, high energy when they can be, because obviously— you know, for every high energy enthused Aries there is, there's another Aries who can be um, repressed or suppressed and therefore not in touch with that energy. Remember, we're talking archetypes with spectrums, so um, we can be on either side of that spectrum. Yeah, for sure. So energetic, also short bursts of energy. Um, when you were talking and reading that quote, it made me think of the Big Bang and just that initial, you know, <laughs> yeah. things starting from a single point and then just exploding. And suddenly, you know, the universe is created in that initial explosion or um, even just the initial spark of the flame of a candle when it first starts or something yeah. like that. I've, I've been accused of being a Big Bang. <laughs> Where'd he go? <laughs> what, right. what, what happened? Um, the other thing that I wanted to read, and we mentioned her I think Hold we on, mentioned can, I make a, can I make a segue? Because oh, please go ahead. Segue. Oh, go go go. What sure. thing we haven't talked about is Aries is a very passionate, passionate sign, um, and I don't know if that's something we've left out so far. Uh, the, you know, the passion of not just Mars, but also that interplay between Mars and Venus a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that Venus is um, debilitated in Aries, um, and my Venus is very close conjoined to Mars in Aries. 
Um, and I intellectually can read and see what those things mean, but I really like my Venus and Aries because I know what I like and what I don't like instantaneously. Um, mm. you know, and, and, and also I am totally willing to change my mind when I learn something about what I either liked or didn't, didn't like at first, but there's that sense of Venus in Aries and, and Venus and Mars working together. We're talking martial arts. The word martial arts in right. some ways is Mars and Venus. And it, and, and we forget that although we think of martial arts as physical fighting, there's also mental martial arts. There's, there's, there's again, that idea of debate or of chess as a type of martial art, if you will. Um, and so they, it, so it can, be, so we can assert ourselves in a beautiful manner is, as I guess where I was going, Mars, Venus. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and also the physicality, there's a physicality to Mars signs and to some extent Venus signs, and there's the, the give and the take, and that's the interplay between Mars and Venus and the old, you know, philosophical, going back to the early Western philosophical Greek tradition of, of love versus hate as being these two polar dynamics or opposites or that mm -hmm. which, um, you know, brings something closer versus that which pushes something away. Um, but there's this um, physicality to, to Mars and to some extent Venus, and, and maybe that's what connects to some extent to the notion of passion, being passionate, or um, yeah, even the, the sort of athleticism involved in sometimes like lovemaking or having sex. Can we use something. the word, can we use the word adrenaline? Adrenaline. Okay. Again, that's we a, come back one. to red, you know, it's, it's the difference between animal and vegetable. You know, it's been said, and I think that part of the ancient tradition that, that Mars ruled the animal kingdom and Venus ruled the vegetable kingdom. I like to call it queendom. Um, but that, that the difference between animals and vegetables largely is the difference between hemoglobin and, um, and, and chlorophyll. And hemoglobin and chlorophyll actually structurally are very similar, except, except hemoglobin has iron at a place in its structure where in chlorophyll it's copper and manganese, which is why chlorophyll is green. You know, we think oxidated um, um, copper is green. And um, and chlorophyll, chlorophyll being green, and um, and um, um, uh, where did I go? Um, hemoglobin being red, and so that the the adrenaline releases something into our bloodstream that makes us m more passionate. Um, you know, it, 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 it whether we love or hate, whether we're whether we're fight, flight, or you know, it it's still there's that sense of in the moment where where it becomes more excited, excitable, and certainly certainly passionate. Yeah, and and you you left out a word there, but I think it's a very important word because we covered this as one of our core words, one of our best words that we could come up in the Mars episode that I did last summer. That was very appropriate is the word fuck as a Mars word. I mean, I mean, I, I can't. Think I just dropped planet. it out out of respect for someone who might care, and I'm not adverse to using it. Flight, yeah, fight, yeah. flight, 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 fight, or fuck. Yeah, and I appreciate that, and I apologize to any audience members that are not ready for that, but I want to be able to have that type of discussion so we can speak openly and freely when we're talking about archetypes and things like that. Um, but I think that then also becomes a very important 
Mars and Aries um, word and signification and the way that it, it can be used as a multifaceted different thing that can be positive or negative depending on the context. Right. And again, you know, in the traditional use of that word, we come back to that sense of Aries and Mars as penetrator, as 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 asserter or aggressor, whether there was an invitation or not. Right. Yeah. And that being like a necessary process, but a double-edged sword in terms of that it can go either way. Mm-hmm. And then you can also, you know, even other uses of it, like metaphorically, like telling somebody to fuck off is like a Martian and an Aries type thing of t- telling somebody to go away or, or you know, get lost or something is, is sort of pushing something away or pushing something outward. Yeah. You know, it just, it reminded me when I worked for years um, with uh, an astrologer who's now passed. I know you knew Jeff Jower, um, and some of the other people here might. Jeff passed away about five, six years ago. Um, Jeff used to, we, and we taught a lot together around the world. And Jeff used to say to me, he goes, I've never seen anyone who is so able to dismiss someone um, in a way where the person doesn't mind or doesn't fight back. You know, it's, hmm. it's the fuck off. Um, it, and, and, and Jeff would say that that was a function of Mars and Aries because I had, and I've never even noticed this. I'm not even saying that this is true, but I'm saying Jeff would say this often that I had the ability to define a boundary. Nope, we're not hmm. going there. Or nope, not now. Or you need to be quiet if you're going to stay in this class. Or whatever it is that is basically a fuck off kind of uh, um, of a saying, but it's about establishing boundaries. And that's what Mars in anger has a very important um, uh, purpose. And when used constructively, what its purpose is, is to create a boundary. Right. You know, we think of Saturn as the planet of boundary, but Saturn and Mars together really do that in different ways. Yeah, because it's like this uh, energy that uh, extends outwards and pushes things away from it if necessary, um, which, which can sometimes be a necessary process, but also brings up that that necessary process of setting boundaries, but also Mars sometimes having this tendency in Aries, having this tendency to transgress boundaries, and that can be a good thing or a bad thing depending on the context in the scenario. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what was the, before I interrupted you for that whole segment, you were going to read another passage from another book? Um, yeah, I was someone who actually was an Aries um, with Venus conjunct her son um, and 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 Chiron in Aries also. Um, this particular person had um, Mars rising in Gemini, and I'm speaking of Linda Goodman, um, who may have been the most popular astrologer who ever lived. I'm not really sure, but I think she was cert- actually. There was a later birth time that was found, and she's actually an Aries rising. An Aries rising. Oh, okay. Regardless, sure, like- uh, I, I don't doubt it. Regardless, she certainly was a sun sign Aries, born April 9th, 1925. Um, and she wrote a book on sun signs called um, Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. That was one of the best selling books of all times, selling enough copies that it warranted her being the first author to command a um, seven-figure advance um, um, for her subsequent book. But in in the book, um, uh, in her Sun Sign Astrology book, um, she has how to recognize an Aries. And she was rather witchy in her writing, in her ability 
to simplify and make things um, uh, make things be real or make things seem real. And she and she wrote this. Um, there's a leading little piece here that I that she wrote that she wrote a lot of poetry, and this says they would not remember the simple rules their friends had taught them, such as that a red hot poker will burn you if you hold it too long, and that if you cut your finger very deeply with a knife, it usually bleeds. It's an interesting take because it's that part of Aries that has to do with that risk taker and its rebelliousness, which we didn't really talk about it, it as, as radical rebellious. It, well, we did in a sense of being uh, feisty and, and pushing, pushing back. Um, but she goes on to say, have you recently met an unusually friendly person with a forceful manner, a firm hand clasp, and an instant smile? Get ready for a dizzy dash around the mulberry bush. You've probably just been adopted by an Aries, especially if you found it a little tough to take the lead in the conversation. Um, is he committed to some idealistic cause and angrily defending the underdog? That figures. Male or female, these people will fight for what they feel is an injustice on the spot, and they're not bashful about voicing their opinions. The ram will talk back to a traffic cop or an armed gangster with equal vigor if either one happens to annoy him. Of course, he may regret it later, but caution won't concern him in the heat of the moment. Aries people come straight to the point with no shilly-shallying. It goes on, but it kind of like sets the stage um, in a way that I think few people do in their writing for describing that energy. Um, so I wanted to share that. Yeah, I love that. And I love that she, that Linda Goodman had not just the sun and Venus in Aries, but possibly the ascendant. And I've used this as an example of the ruler, the ruler of that ascendant Mars was placed in Gemini in the third house. And she just had this amazing way with words and amazing, amazing way to write and became hugely successful as an astrologer over it. it was like the the biggest probably the biggest selling astrology book ever you know even though astrology has been going on for thousands of years i don't know if you know it's sort of between like her and ptolemy in terms of book sales but her <laughs> book was so was printed like sold millions and millions of times that she became easily just one of the most successful astrology writers ever yeah 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 that's really really good. Um, all right, going back to my outline, one of the things that when you're reading that quote from her that made me realize that we didn't dwell on very much is just we talked about the difference between, and we've come back to a few times, the difference between Aries and Scorpio a few times. But one of the major things here, just in terms of the difference between, and we don't have to get into a whole discussion about, you know, there's a lot of talk recently about whether the the traditional designations of like masculine and feminine to the signs for the even and odd signs are still appropriate or whether that's too tied in with complicated issues of, of gender and, and yeah. other astrologers um for example chani nicholas um uses prefers to use diurnal diurnal signs for the odd signs and nocturnal signs for the even signs which is also a traditional designation and other astrologers, Austin Kopic prefers to use like yin and yang from the the Chinese philosophical tradition. Um, but but one of the things, one of the, regardless of what you use, I think there's a notion in, in modern psychology of like extroversion versus 
introversion. And I think we could say pretty easily with a lot of the keywords we've been using here so far that Aries tends to be the more extroverted sign. Sure. Whereas let's say by contrast, Scorpio might be a more introverted sign or expression of the Mars archetype. Yeah, I, I think that is that it is you you just stated it well and maybe understated it. Because if we go back to the original picture of the glyph of Aries, how can it be introverted if the energy is gushing forth out of nothingness? You know, mm. in, 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 in a way, um, when people ask me why I'm an astrologer or why I became interested in astrology, for years my answer was, my concern is how does nothing become something? Which is an Aries concern because it's that first moment of spring. And, and yet, from the moment of Scorpio to the moment of Aries, meaning from the time when the sun in the Northern Hemisphere goes into Scorpio, when those final pretty leaves in Libra turn brown and then are cut off from the life of the tree and they fall to the ground and it looks like death. It looks like there's nothing there in Scorpio and through the Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, and yet in Pisces, something happens and that energy starts wiggling and jiggling on the inside. And in Aries, all of a sudden, there's new, there's new growth again. And it's that, that outrushing of energy that has pulled in in maximum force in Scorpio that then in Aries comes back out. And so this, th this idea that you just said is, uh, like I say, I think you understated it because it is so key to understanding the cycle of the Zodiac that Aries couldn't be anything other than extroverted or, or intended towards push the energy outward, whereas Scorpio couldn't be anything but pulling that energy inward. That's the nature of what's going on in that part of each of, in each part of the cycle, in, in their each part of, still didn't say that right, in those two parts of the cycle. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm just looking up, trying to look up definitions to get a quality definition, but one of the definitions from Cambridge Dictionary of Extroversion just says the quality of being energetic and not shy and enjoying being with other people, which kind of actually isn't great isn't a great definition and understates it's a, a little bit but this of like let's say you're in a social situation the person that like thrusts themselves into the social situation and will go up and and you know Linda Goodman was talking about shakes the hands of new people and will initiate first contact with somebody or will be the one to you know lead or set up a group of friends to go on an outing and be the one that sets that up versus the person that maybe hangs back or isn't as comfortable walking up to a stranger or or taking the lead in something or what have you? I, I agree with all of that. However, there is also that picture that I described earlier of the mature lone Aries. You know, that that Aries who's willing to go off and be a pioneer and go off for four or five months and be by themselves in the wilderness or to be an intellectual pioneer and spend decades in places that no one else can follow or understand. So there is that sense of, of aloneness that an Aries can over time choose. And yet what you say is still true. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the solo tendencies or the single tendencies that we were talking about a little bit earlier. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as in, again, my Ariesness, I love the idea of being in a relationship. I love the idea of traveling with someone who you're close to or in love with. And yet I also have learned to love traveling alone because when I travel alone, I have experiences that I would not have otherwise. And I'm not saying that one completely surplants the other, but they're two different ways of approaching things. And in my youth, I would have never, the idea of traveling alone would have been just awful. I mean, and, and yet, um, as, as I've, um, let's not use the word aged, let's say matured, um, I find that I've become more of a, um, a hermit or more of, of aloof from the, uh, humdrum noise might call it third house noise even, um, but still, when I'm around people, all, then I like to re-engage. So uh, there's both facets there. This just spoken from a personal point of view. Yeah, and I I think that's really important for all the signs. Just the notion that people experience different parts of it at different stages in their life. Um, different people that you might be around might activate certain things um, in terms of your chart in different ways. I mean, for you, of course, I always think of your huge uh, 11th house Aries stellium and how you you had worked with a friend for a number of years with Jeff Jar and and you two were known together and I always laugh and I've told this story about like walking into a Barnes and Noble and there was like a big cardboard cutout of like both of you <laughs> when you were both writing this yearly planner for Barnes and Noble which was like a really big deal at the time but just the you know that connection with a friend at the time of and doing that work together well, yeah, yeah, and by the way, that cutout. I wish I had one of those. I don't. I know, uh, me too. If, if I ever um, find one, it's going to be behind me in like every podcast episode. Um, but it was very strange walking into a Barnes and Noble in New York City and seeing Jeff and I life size. You know, weird. Um, but but I must say that that eleventh house stellium, um, as a younger person, I was the person who would have told you and meant it then I would be very happy living at conferences, you know, okay. you know, just being, um, and, and, and as you may know, as some people may know, um, until the mid, mid late nineties, um, I had a very, um, uh, significant career also in organizing in the natural foods, health food, you know, dietary supplement world, and so there were years when I would go to two or three or four conferences a month. And, um, and, I, and there were times when I thought, maybe I don't even need a home. I just can go from conference to conference. It's such an 11th house thing of being in a network of friends and just waking up and being in that group. And, um, and yet I have a cancer moon that over the years has become more predominant. And I really like my time alone. Yeah. Well, and I, and I remember that's how we first became friends because um, you would come hang out at the Kepler College Symposiums when all the Kepler students would fly out for a week in the middle of the semester for right. a week of, of lectures. And then after the lectures were over at night, everyone would hang out really late in the lounge and talk astrology. And, and you and I would end up just late at night staying up talking about different astrology topics during those trips. So that was how I, I first met you. And and often in conferences, I was the last person to leave a conversation. I mean, it was, it was not unusual for, uh, th that's where my Aries um, lack of staying power was not obvious. I would be the person who you know, would, would be um, still going when, when everyone was, uh, else was going to sleep. 
Yeah, and then also just looking at your chart again with Gemini rising and Mercury in Aries applying to Mars, one of the other things that I always thought it was interesting about that time period is for a number of years, you wrote daily horoscopes, and that was the one thing that would drag you away from the social setting and the social group was you're like, I got I got work to do. and you would Well, except like, often at two or three in the morning, I would then go back to my room and write. And for the record, I'm still writing a daily. I've been writing daily. I've been writing an astrological daily since the new moon in Aquarius in 2002. So we're looking at 21 years, and although I don't write anything for each of the 12 signs as I did for 17, 18 of those years, um, these days I'm writing more of what I call a a, a daily astrological reflection of sorts, um, and that's available on Facebook and or um, Instagram, Rick Levine Astrologer in both places. Yeah, and, and I love that because it just shows um – you know, it's shorter form content, but it's it's showing you having long term energy to to do that and to do it like every day and to write something that's really powerful, though concise and relatively short, but it carrying you know like a punch or or carrying a, a bang to a kick to it. So here's something else that I've noticed about myself. It's not something that I relative that I that I um, often talk about, but when you look at my writing career. I've probably written as many words, more words, but as many words as pretty much anybody out there. I mean, for for the eight years that Jeff and I co-authored the um, annual Astrology Guides for Barnes & Noble, those books were 150,000 words long. And although we co-authored them, we each, in effect, wrote every word. I mean, we, we, we detailed everything, you know, regardless of who originated the text. On top of that, for those years and for you know for 17 18 years before and after i was writing approximately 12 1300 words a day 7 days a week and yet when you look at my writing um it's almost all like tibetan sand paintings which is an absolute aries kind of a thing because with a Tibetan sand painting, you put all your concentration and all your focus on making this incredible thing of beauty. And then once it's done, you rake it gone. And my, uh, unlike many other writers, my best work has a shelf life of three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. And so my legacy as an Aries yeah, at Lao Tzu uh, in 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 um, the Tao Te Ching, um, Lao Tzu said, you know, that the wise that the wise and realized person leaves no trace. Well, I hope I don't leave no trace. But unlike other astrologers who have written as many words or or half as many words as I have and wrote them in books that leave legacies, my work largely as a stellium in Aries largely is here and gone here and gone here and gone there 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 is there is no staying power to a daily uh column yeah i love that and just um the impermanence of impermanence a good another good aries word that we yeah impermanence yeah of writing a, a either daily horoscope or yearly horoscope because once that year is over it's something that people don't go back to for the most part to to read again it's just it was powerful and impactful in that moment and it had 
real importance in the immediacy. Again, going back to that notion of time and immediacy and, and being here and being now in the moment. And that was where its power was the most impactful. Um, yeah, but that, but that still ends up moving things. That still ends up being impactful and impacting things because it gets the ball rolling in the moment, even if it's not something that continues to linger around necessarily as a permanent uh, fixture in your consciousness forever, like the initial push that it had of like moving the boulder and getting it rolling down the hill, sometimes that can make a huge difference in, in people's lives. Yeah. I, I sometimes call the Aries the fire starter, mm. you know, yeah. because that's what it does. It, it, likes to, it likes to get the ball rolling. It likes to, you know, it likes to prime the pump, give it one push, and then let someone else take over the, you know, daily routine of pumping the water. Yeah. That brings up um, some terms I want to make sure we mention, which is that I really love is Mars terms and they get underused, but peppery, spicy, heating, fiery, and incendiary. But just the notion of like a pepper and- Those are all good. Those are all really good words, all in the same spectrum. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and just think about like a pepper and how sometimes you need that to add some spice to something, you know, like a, like a little bit of pepper can really spice up a dish and make it interesting and make it a little- bring the heat up, make it a little hotter. Um, but, but when done right, it's like not too hot and it, it's just the perfect amount of heat that's added to something or pepperiness or spiciness. Whereas on the other hand, sometimes if you just like eat like a ghost pepper, you know, you're going to have a bad night because suddenly the heat explodes in your mouth and it's too much heat and it's too intense and, and it's like harmful or not experienced as a positive thing. So there's, again, just both sides of that double-edged sword or that spectrum of Mars and Aries where it can go either way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. G a good point. Um, not switching completely, but I noticed in, in your notes, you had something that I didn't want to forget to talk about, and I did until I just saw it. And, and you have Zoller machine gun versus sniper rifle. Yeah. If you would share with us what you mean by that, that will lead into what I wanted to say and forgot. Okay, so I've told this anecdote many times on the podcast, but I want to tell it again because it's it, not everyone has heard it and because it's appropriate here. But um, the late Robert Zoller, who died a few years ago, was an astrologer. He was one of the first astrologers who really went back and started doing traditional medieval-style astrology based on the work of Guido Bonatti and other astrologers like that. Um, for about a year, I lived with him in the same house when I was living at Project Hindsight around 2007. And What's funny, I mean, ironically, being he was a, he was a great astrologer and, and um, made a number of predictions that were very successful and did a lot of important work, but I always including Including the bombing of the World Trade Tower. He's one that went on record with very precise information around that prior to it happening. Yeah, he was one of the astrologers that got the closest of anyone maybe to, to predicting 9-11 just based on some of the statements he made based on traditional mundane astrology and some eclipses that happened across the East Coast in like 1999 and 2000. But you know, despite all of that, like very exalted like prediction and mundane stuff, one of the most insightful things he ever said to me one day is he said, you know, the difference between Aries and Scorpio is that Aries is like a machine gun that just shoots a bunch of bullets indiscriminately and Mars and Scorpio is like a sniper rifle that just shoots one shot dead on the target. And that's it. So it was just funny because that's one of the most 
striking analogies or metaphors that he ever shared with me that I always think back to sometimes when I try to think of the difference between Aries versus Scorpio. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, and it gets back to the, um, although they're slightly different metaphors, what I said earlier, that if an Aries doesn't win on that first volley of fire, the Scorpio will always win in the long run. Yes. Um, but 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 what I was thinking when I saw that, that's a great image, I'll remember that image. What, what I was thinking is that Mercury, I have Mercury in Aries, and I've been accused of what I'm going to describe. And that is when I get going and I'm talking on a topic, my words can come out so fast that there's no room for me to breathe. There's no room for you to understand quite what it was that I said because I'm already talking about something new and you can't go back and think about what I said. And the words come out like a machine gun, rat it to, you know, like fast and fast and fast. And then I go, <sighs> and you know, that can be 10 or 15 minutes. And, and it's that same um, energy of Aries machine gun fire. It's just a rapid um, it, it's, it's a, a spray that is not basically going from here to there and sometimes when I'm in that mode, I'll get like three quarters of the way through it and I'll stop and I'll go, where was I going with this? I mean, I totally lose the directionality because I'm just shooting with whatever comes next in my mind. And then I have to pull back and re-remember and then go back into that, you know, Scorpio mode of, of finding that target and bringing it to conclusion. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one last thing that somebody mentioned, I wasn't sure if it's true and I was trying to think about it, but they said funny in Twitter, a few people said that Aries are funny and I never, I was trying to reflect on that if that was true and think of different Aries comedians. We've talked about a few, of course, like David Letterman or, um, like Conan O'Brien, but, um, Charlie Aries Chaplin, I think was in Aries, wasn't he? Okay. Yeah. Um, but is it a funny sign or is it a certain type of comedy I mean, there might be maybe the boldness of, because I often think of uh, like comedians as like a mercurial type thing. Mer yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, the, it, the, the talking and the, the being witty and coming up with jokes or little short bits. Um, but there, there may be something to the Aries thing that would be very useful or, or fitting or appropriate because Aries not being afraid to like say something that might be offensive to somebody or you know, the roast version of, of comedians where you like, um, sort of make fun of like, like two comedians get up and they roast each other and they make fun of each other by saying cutting or biting things that could definitely be a Martian or an Aries type thing. Um, or even just having the courage to get up on a stage and do like stand up comedy requires a certain amount of boldness, uh, and courage to like get up there and just like fail, but to keep trying. Yeah. Um, uh, as you were talking, I I don't have her chart and I don't know what what her stuff was, but Dorothy Parker once said, you can fake sincerity, but you can't fake wit. Mm. Um, he, here's where I think that comes from. And I wouldn't necessarily say that Aries are necessarily humorous or funny, although there seem to be um, a bunch of them that are lingering in the back of my mind that I'm only 80% sure that some of them are, are Aries or have Aries planets. But, but Freud wrote a book that is not widely known, and it's a book called Wit and the Unconscious. Mm. And basically in it, he makes the case that humor comes from a place 
where that which cannot be spoken, that which cannot be said, that which is either repressed, that means we bury it and we don't know we buried it, or suppressed, which means we buried it and we know we buried it. In either case, when those things come out into the open, that somehow it's acceptable for them to come out in a humor form where it's not acceptable for them to come out just stating, stating them. And so the Aries who's in the moment and willing to take those risks, and in some ways we get back to that dance between the conscious and the unconscious that I talked about earlier is how Aries really is unconsciousness because everything that is is included in in the Aries, you know, the, the, the idea that the whole universe is part of me and therefore, you know, everything is me. I am the center of it because it is all within me. And because of that, the Aries has that tendency to be able to release those socially inappropriate um, zingers that are of the moment that uh, come out through humor as kind of a safe way for them to express. It's a thought. I I agree with you. I still still think that Mercury is you know is there, but I mean that Mercury is important. But then again, if you're a Sun in Aries. Chances are you have Mercury and Aries too. Yeah, for sure. And there's probably different types of comedy and different approaches to comedy. So it's kind of hard to pin down to one thing. And that's something we didn't get into too much here, but it's something I want to maybe come back to at different points in this series, which is just sometimes there's a cons, there isn't usually one sign that only does something, but sometimes you can kind of rank or do a hierarchy of if you have a keyword, which sign is like, comes to mind first for that, and then what's the second and third and fourth yeah, tier sign yeah, for that. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes you can do that in grouping like the cardinal signs, like what would Aries be the top in? Or if you group the fire signs, which are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius, you know, what would be the top ranking thing for like Aries, for example? Um, like maybe competitiveness. Like if you were to ask, like maybe all th three of the fire signs might be competitive on some level but if you had to like rank which one was the most competitive maybe aries would would be it yeah yeah uh interesting and i think that that may that may be true and um you know i don't know i can think of a lot of sagittarians who are pretty funny and leos too and is it yeah. a fiery thing i don't know i mean right yeah. or, or let's think uh sometimes all three of the fire signs can be accused of being having like an ego type thing um, and different versions of that that manifest in those three signs. Like we've talked a lot about the single minded mindedness and wanting to be like a winner of um, Aries. But Leo, on the other hand, it can be more of a thing of wanting to be seen and wanting to shine and that being sort of where that's coming from in some way. Um, or Jupiter sometimes wanting to not necessarily be the center of attention, but wanting to be seen as like knowledgeable or or wise or something like that. Yeah, I I, I agree with all of that. I, I've also seen um, other. You, you talk about other types of humor. I've seen the people who do physical humor um, often have Mars Uranus, you know, connections. For example, mm -hmm. um, regardless of their sign, um, and and so yeah, I think it's more complicated than. Then Aries are funny, although I'd like to think sometimes I'm funny. I think that sometimes I'm really funny and no one else gets the joke I just told. <laughs> right. <laughs>
All right. Um, there's one last thing I just remembered. There was this great thing posted in the Astrology Podcast, the private Facebook group for patrons of the podcast by a patron named Chloe Lawson who posted – she had just done this illustration for Aries to sort of commemorate Aries season and it had a bunch of keywords for Aries that she wrote out and this was before I was going to do this episode but I asked if I could use this and she said that would be okay so she sent me the picture. So it's a, a drawing for those just listening to the, the audio version but it says <clears> – it says Aries, ruled by Mars, exalted sun – Cardinal, fire, ram, fric friction, spark, ignite, radiance, burning, bright, hot, flare-up, ignition, now, sprint, impatience, just fucking do it, spontaneous, boldness, ego, courage, strike, headbutt, startup, inspiration, fury, frenzy, wild, frantic, fight, champion, drive, Take a risk, throw caution to the wind, independent, fast, badass, con content. Um, what am I missing? Content, independent. I think that's bad oh, badass content. No, contentious. Contentious, yeah. I think, and then burn or burn out, excess, selfish, I am, energy, quick, passionate, fearless, confident, decisive, red. First, exciting, impulsive, the head, new changes, and adventure. Um, and that, you know, gets to a lot of, you know, we talked about a lot of those keywords, but it just nicely kind of summarizes or wraps up a bunch of major things that we talked about here. Yes. And as you said, a couple of those keywords, I was uh, reminded of, and I don't have his chart right in front of me. But um, you said, I am, and I began to think of, I think, therefore I am. Mm. And Rene Descartes being, I think he had like six planets in Aries, if I'm not mistaken, a crazy number. I don't know if you have his chart handy. Um, I'm not on my laptop where I have it. I mean, I'm not on my desktop. Um, but um, uh, that whole sense of, you know, of, of, I, of, I am, I am the center, the, 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 you know, the, um, I think therefore I am, there we go. Look at that sun node, Uranus, Jupiter, Pluto, <laughs> um, uh, and Mercury, one, two, three, four, five planets plus the node, um, in Aries, I think therefore I am. That's a, that's a pretty powerful statement, I think, um, and those Aries planets trying Neptune. I love that. That's beautiful. And then Mars is in Gemini and it's in a mutual reception with Mercury. Yeah. I yeah. I think, I think therefore I am. Right. You heard about the um, story of, uh, you know, Descartes walks into the bar and the bartender says, can I help you? And he goes, I think not. And he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. All right. Is there any? Are there any major things that we're forgetting? Obviously, it's way too broad. We were shooting for two hours. We've overshot that slightly, but we've covered a lot. But are there any major things we're going to kick ourselves for not mentioning? That if you, if you, you the know, answer is yes, and we don't know what they are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think. I can't think of anything. It's it's been a lot of fun, and um, I know that once we get off, I'm going to go. Oh, I forgot to talk about, and ah, you know, but that's the way it is.
Yeah, well, maybe people can help us out by writing um, in the YouTube comments below this video on the YouTube video version some of their significations or keywords for Aries, and if there's any major ones we left out, um, and then we can have a whole you know directory of those there. I'll also link to the Twitter thread where people can read other comments and other significations that people gave. And um, also shout out to Nick Big and Best who helped with some of the research for some of the chart examples we used in this episode, um, which is super helpful. And um, you, I wanted to mention your YouTube channel because you are just killing it when it comes to YouTube at this point and, and just regularly releasing videos and forecasts and have, have, have just this like thriving and really great resource for people for regular daily and weekly astrology stuff at this point, right? Yeah, it's actually on YouTube. It's more monthly and semi-monthly, um, and the one the the one thing that is available for everyone um, is my monthly forecast, similar to what you do, but but different. Um, and I, I always I, I find it interesting um, when I watch yours and and see how some of the some of the things we both talk about are so exact similar. And then there are things where we go in very, very different directions, and I, I, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really the the freebie thing is my monthly, which is about an hour long. It's posted on the first of every month. And um, there a, are uh, there are a number of other. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And that's at YouTube.com/slash Rick Levine. Yeah, and then then there are other things that I have available to um, my patrons, and at Patreon.com/slash Rick Levine. Um, you can find more about some of that stuff. Cool. Patreon.com slash Rick Levine. There it is with your different tiers. And you do a bunch of different bonuses and other offerings, um, including like meetups and actually are doing um, Zoom sessions where you go over charts and, and different things like that. Yeah, I have a monthly chart interpretation class that we do live interpretations of people in the class um, where I am talking to like you as if I was doing your chart, but there will be the people out there uh, on the webinar. And so I, I'm doing your chart and telling people out there why I'm talking about certain things and then asking you to respond and tell us what the backstory is. And that kind of work is so, you know, that's work that we couldn't have done, um, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Because there was no way to do, first of all, there was no way to gather the audiences from all around the world, like on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And secondly, to be able to just take someone's chart and put it up and look at it as everyone else is looking at it in that moment is such, such a luxury that we have with computers that we just forget. And that's something that you and I talked about at length in the ESAR talk that we um, did for the Astrology Day um uh program for that for that uh um symposium um back on astrology day which is the vernal equinox every year but we, we just forget how different it is being and studying being an astrologer and studying astrology is today compared to what it was 40 years ago yeah that and i released that is episode 344 of the astrology podcast titled the future trajectory of astrology that talk that we just did for international astrology day and i think what we said is or what i said i say it all the time is there's there's literally been no better time ever in the history of the world to be an astrologer than right now in terms of all the different resources and things that are available to people and that we can do that it's really it's really great time to be totally agree. into this totally agree yeah 
All right. Well, thanks a lot for for joining me for this and being the first to help me initiate <laughs> and, and launch this new series on the 12 signs of the Zodiac today, right? Being in Aries, I could not have done any other than the first one. Right. Sometimes you just, you just got to do- Got to do be. what you got to do. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much for having this and for doing what you do for all of us. Yeah. Well, this is a great start and now I'm even more excited. So with any luck, I'm going to do one of these each month over the course of the next 12 months and go through each of the signs of the Zodiac. And we should have a pretty good resource by the end of that for, for all 12 signs. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today. Um, thanks everyone for watching or listening to this episode of the Astrology Podcast. I'll put a link to Rick's website and YouTube channel just below the description in this video or on the Astrology Podcast website. So please be sure to check it out. Thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you again next time. Special thanks to all the patrons that supported the production of this episode of the podcast through our page on Patreon.com. In particular, thanks to the patrons on our producers tier, including Thomas Miller, Catherine Conroy, Christy Moe, Ariana Amour, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, Sumo Kopic, Issa Sabah, Jake Otero, Morgan McKinsey, and Kristen Otero. If you like the work that I'm doing here on the podcast and you would like to find a way to support it, then please consider becoming a patron through my page on patreon.com. And in exchange, you'll get access to bonus content such as early access to new episodes, the ability to attend the live recording of the month ahead forecast each month, access to a private monthly auspicious elections report that we put out each month, access to exclusive episodes that are only available for patrons, or you can also get your name listed in the credits at the end of each episode. For more information, go to patreon.com slash astrologypodcast. The main software we use here on the podcast to look at astrological charts is called Solar Fire for Windows, which is available at alabe.com, and you can use the promo code AP15 to get a 15% discount. For Mac users, we use a similar set of software by the same programming team called AstroGold for Mac OS, which is available from astrogold.io, and you can use the promo code ASTROPODCAST15 to get a 15% discount on that as well. If you would like to learn more about the approach to astrology that I outline on the podcast, then you should check out my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune where I traced the origins of Western astrology and reconstructed the original system that was developed about 2,000 years ago. And in this book, I outline uh, basic concepts, but also take you into intermediate and advanced techniques for reading a birth chart, including some timing techniques. So you can find out more about the book at hellenisticastrology.com book. The book pairs very well with my online course on ancient astrology called the Hellenistic Astrology Course, which has over 100 hours of video lectures where I go into detail about teaching you how to read a birth chart and showing hundreds of example charts in order to really demonstrate how the techniques work in practice. So find out more information about that at theastrologyschool.com. Also, special thanks to our sponsors, including the Mountain Astrologer magazine, which is available at mountainastrologer.com, the Honeycomb Collective Personal Astrological Almanacs, available at honeycomb.co, and the Astrogold Astrology app, which is available for both iPhone and Android at astrogold.io. There are also two major astrology conferences happening this year. The first is the Northwest Astrological Conference, happening May 26th through the 30th, 2022, near Seattle, Washington. Find out more information at norwac.net. 
And the second is the International Society for Astrological Research Conference, which is taking place August 25th through the 29th, 2022, in Westminster, Colorado. And you can find out more information about that at isar2022.org.